Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. I was thinking about this, and I'm not going to let us off the hook that easy today. Uh, In just about an hour from now, there's probably going to be about 50-plus thousand people that are going to walk into Soldier Field, and they're going to be donning their blue and orange, and they're going to cheer on a football team, a 53-man roster of human beings, albeit sizable human beings, but human beings that are going to play a game. And those 50-plus thousand people will bring an energy and a life to that stadium that doesn't just come from the seats themselves, but it's generated by the excitement of those individuals for those sizable men wearing the blue and orange that will run up and down the field chasing a football and one another. And they will bring much more energy than what I just got from that welcome here. And I didn't want to, but, but the, my reality and the reality that I wrestle with is simply this. Can we get as excited for the things of God, namely his word, as we would get watching men chase other men who are chasing after a football? Thank you. It's not about the hooping and the hollering, but it is about the hooping and the hollering because it gives us a verbal indication of what's going on in here. When you love your team, you root and you cheer and you get loud and you don't care who sees it. You don't care what the guy next to you because the guy next to you is doing the same thing. That should be the nature of the church. That what is welled up inside of us, it can't help but come out in screams and in joy and in clapping and in saying amen and in just loving on one another because that it's in there. It it can't be contained. Church, we've got a lot of work to do, and we're going to start today. (laughs) Let us be a vocal church, a church that says, I know what God is doing in here, and I'm not afraid to let it come out. Amen? That has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today, but that was a freebie and light of a pretty important game that's going on. As you can tell, it's in my mind right now. Um, but it is, it is the truth. It is the truth. And I want us to be at church this morning. As, we, as we're going into God's word, I mean, don't think about anything I say, but if you hear or see a scripture that, is like, man, that's amazing. Say it, right? 
I mean, if, if the football crosses the goal line and the Bears score, guess what people are going to say? Whoa, that's amazing because it is something that is exciting. It, it is, it's, you get where I'm going with this? So let's exercise that today. That being in church, if you're not the one speaking, it is still not a spectator sport. That we are all active participants in this time together as we're learning and as we're growing together that we get to vocalize what God is doing inside of us. Can we, can we exercise that, try that out today? Oh, I guess not. All right, well, I'm just going to go into... It's okay. It's okay. We've got, guys, we got to work on this because from what I hear about what heaven might be like, I'm just saying, we, we, got, we got some work to do to, to get ready. So church, as we know, we are in this Advent series um, and Dave kicked it off last week and we were talking about this light in the darkness. And it's this beautiful, um, just symbol or sign of the coming Messiah whom they had waited for, they had waited for for, for for years and years and years and years and years. And then he comes in the form of a baby. And we still, though we await the coming of Christmas, which represents his birth, and we still await his second coming his second advent that will happen when he is going to make all things new. So this morning, we get a chance to dive into this word and to dive into this light. And last week, we talked about the darkness being this darkness of despair. And I'm not going to re-preach Dave's word. Um, so if you didn't hear last week's, please grab a CD on the wall or, or listen to it on the, on the website, um, but it was powerful. And this, <laughs> hey, no, I did, I did. I'm, I didn't say anything, you said it. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about the darkness of worry, of worry. It says in Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Or people who were walking in this darkness, and in this, today, we're going to talk about those who continue to walk in a darkness, and this darkness has a name. And this darkness is called worry. If you have been there, and by some of the nods of heads, you know that it is indeed a real and deep darkness. And sometimes it feels like it continues to just spiral deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And so, in this season, sometimes those worries seem to increase. I mean, it's Christmas, and there's all of these things to do. 
and we talk about the joy of Christmas, but for some, the joy of Christmas only comes if everything works out the way we want it to work. And then all the what-ifs begin to come up. Well, what if this person doesn't come, and what if that happens, and what if, and we worry, 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 and we absolutely destroy the joy that the season is to bring. Because we are covered, we are shrouded in worry. I mean, what is worry? Dictionary simply says it's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Uncertainty for a lot of us, brings worry, and rightly so. If there is a re- something that we are looking forward to or desiring, and we begin to think about all the things that go wrong that could make that thing which we are desiring not happen, then we begin to worry. Charles Spurgeon said this, anxiety or worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it only empties today of its strength. We spend so much time worrying about tomorrow and what tomorrow will bring and what's going to happen in these, this thing that is to come or, or in this that's to come that we, we lose sight of the beauty and the strength that God has given us for today. Worry is a robber. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of, I won't give it away just yet. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Some of us know this one by heart. (laughs) We've been trying to coach ourselves in how to deal with worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor And that guy had some bank, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. So if we look Just at this passage, and like I said, this isn't anything new to many of us, so I'm not going to have to say a a whole lot about it. But if you look at this passage, I see this different definition of worry that I want to present to us this morning. There is this worry that is this uncertainty, this state of anxiety or uncertainty over, over things that are to happen. But then in the Christian life, as Christ followers there is also a different work at play. Tells us about worry and about clothes and not needing these things. And it's kind of like you look at these things, you say, but 
These are necessities. I mean, we should be worried about not having necessities. He's like, no, don't, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Yeah, God, I think that's worth worrying about. Because if I don't have those things, then I die. Right? I mean, there is a certain amount of worry that we allow. Now, some of us have all those things, and we still worry. It's not that we're going to be hungry. It's not that our sink is going to stop producing water, though if you don't pay the bill long enough, that may happen. But there's access all around us, and we still worry. And it says in this passage, and I want to try to make this point as plain or as as simple as I can, is that there is this sense where God is telling us in the kingdom of God, he has it all taken care of. Okay? Then there is this kingdom of this world that says, but if I don't see it right now, I'm just going to worry about it. And so we vacillate, we kind of move in between these kingdoms, if you will, of, of thought and of mind. One moment it's, yes, God, I'll trust you. And then we get uh, the bad, a, a bad uh, report or, or something doesn't come through the way we wanted it to, and we move so quickly right back here. Oh, God, you didn't do what I needed you to do, so now I just got to somehow my worry about it is going to make it change. And the reality is it's not going to change by our worry, but we feel like, well, at least I'm doing something. So I firmly believe that, that this idea of worry is about a divided mind. It is divided between the promise and the truth of God Yet the pull of the world to say, but it has to be this way. God, I just want good health. Right? Isn't that just a a basic right that that I get as a human being? And God said, not on this earth. You will have perfect health. I promise you, every last believer in Christ will have perfect health one day. Now, it doesn't mean we don't pray when, we, when things come up, when, when, but we, God says he'll take care of it. But when we live under the kingdom of God and the truth of God and the reality of God that he says, I have this taken care of, then we find ourselves not worrying. He's got this. When we find ourselves over here, we're like, oh, everything is, if you don't know Christ, you live here. Because what else do you have to look to other than yourself? So if yourself cannot provide for the, whatever the needs are, there is now you start to look to other people who may be in the same boat as you. The problem with a lot of believers is we live like this. <laughs> and we try to live in these two worlds and they're divided and that brings about worry because we know we should trust them but God this is really real right now 
And so even though I know, God, who you are, I'm just wrestling with whether or not I could fully trust that or whether or not I have to give in to this idea of worry about what tomorrow may bring. Because, God, this is, this is a big deal. So I just kind of did, just in a fun little exercise, five ways that worry creep in. Number one, when the problems seem bigger than God, we tend to worry. God, I know you can do all things, but this thing in my life is larger than Goliath. And I know you could take care of Goliath-sized things, but what about this size thing? I'm not sure you care about this the way I do or as much as I do. So I'm going to worry. Number two, when we don't agree with God's response time, we worry. God, I know you got this, but sometimes you just move too slow. I need, I need to get you on my speed. Number three, when we try to handle things on our own, we worry. Number four, when we think about how things have gone poorly in the past, not focused on all the good that God has done, but in our worried state, we think about the last bad thing that happened, and we say, oh my goodness, God, I was going through this, this time right now, and I remember how it played out for Sally Sue. Didn't go too well. Now I'm worried. Number five, when our fears overtake our faith, we worry. The darkness of worry looms heavily over some of us. We live with this divided mind over the truth of God and his kingdom and the needs and requirements of this world, and we focus our attention on the world we worry. But there's good news. Amen. Into this darkness of worry, there has appeared a great light. As we go into this part, I want to pause and I want to pray. Lord God, I just pray right now that as we go through and complete the rest of this message about who you are in this darkness, God, I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that your word would go forth in might and in power. Not my words being reflected loudly, God, but that your speaking to the hearts of your church would happen in a way that no one will walk out of here without understanding who you are a little bit better today. So God, we just pause in the midst of this, Lord God, because there is no message without your Holy Spirit speaking. So God, we ask that you would clearly communicate to your church today. In your precious name we pray, amen. So into, into this darkness of a divided mind, this long awaited Savior. So look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. I hope we repeat it enough that you begin to know it by heart if you don't already. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. There are four names given to Jesus here. 
And the last one, the last one that speaks into this darkness of worry is that we have as our Savior the Prince of Peace. How do you defeat worry? It comes through peace. But not just any peace. Not just absence of conflict peace. But it's a peace that Jesus Christ alone brings. He is the only one that could bring a solution to bring light into this very, very real darkness. And verse 7 tells us that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. But God, how can that be? Because here we are living in this world and there is a lot of non-peace. We see it every single day. There is non-peace in our homes. There is non-peace in our world. There is non-peace in our neighborhoods. There is non-peace everywhere. So how is it that this, this verse that tells us that was a prophetic verse spoken by Isaiah so long ago into a Jesus who has come and, and been and served and gone and now sits at the right hand of the Father and we still don't have this peace? And we wait, and we wait impatiently. Wish I could say we wait patiently, but we wait oftentimes impatiently for this God who is going to bring this peace. You know, the Revelations 21 peace, the, there will be no more tears, the, the, the wars will end, the, there will be no more suffering, the, 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 all of those things will be eradicated and gone, and then we could finally be in peace. But can I tell you something amazing? This might be one of those moments for some of us. God brought peace through his son, Jesus Christ, and he places the peace in us. So it's not about looking out for peace. It is about living out peace. I mean, how does that look? It looks like one who can fall asleep and stay a sound asleep in a boat in the storm and the waves and the wind. And I'm sure it was water coming over. And he still was able to rest because there is, he is such peace. Psalm 29, 11 says this, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord gives strength to his people. Do you know that you have strength? And this isn't like external strength, like God assigned each of us a strong man that just gets to walk around with us, and anytime you got any heavy lifting in your life, you can just look over to your strong man, and your strong man is like, okay, I got this. Like, it's not an, an external strength. It's an internal strength. If you want to know it, talk to those who have survived cancer. Talk to those who have survived difficulty, who have survived losing a child, and, and have had to continue on for the sake of their other children. Talk to those moms who have been single parents and who have been working so hard to provide by themselves, I'm a, 
a, a child of a single mom, so I know that there God gives strength. And she raised four boys. Good Lord. So our Lord gives strength, but then he says the Lord blesses his people with peace. He didn't say that he's gonna, there's just going to be all this peace on earth, though that's going to come. And our long await will one day be over when he will return and all things will be made right and there will be peace everywhere. But for now, he blesses his people with peace. We are the carriers of peace if we are indeed the carriers of Christ. So how is this done? Colossians 1, 15 through 20, says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. How? Is this to be that he would place his peace in you and I? God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in this child. If there is fullness in Christ, then that would eliminate the division of us living in two different worlds. Because when we are in him, we have our fullness. Meaning that there is nothing over here yet to worry about. If I win, I will praise you. One of my favorite movies. And if I lose, I will praise you. If things go well, God, I will be at peace. And if things don't go well, God, give me your peace. Remind me that I am a peace bearer. When we are living in that fullness that comes through Christ and what he's done on that cross, it gives us an ability to have a peace that surpasses understanding. You may not even understand it. God, why am I not in turmoil right now? This is bad news. Because I've given you my peace. Doesn't matter then what happens on the external. What has been done is the miracle of what I have done on the inside through that prince of peace. What is peace then? Peace is not just the absence of conflict, but true and lasting peace is only found in Jesus Christ, who has the fullness of the Father in him. So then he takes away that divisive division that we live in, and then we can have his full shalom, which means his completeness, wholeness, fullness, his, his rest, his harmony. 
though that is a real and lasting peace. So then we could go back to Matthew chapter 6. Right, and about all those things, we talk about worry, worry, don't worry, don't worry about what you should eat, don't worry about what you should drink, don't worry. And do you see what the response is there of Matthew, when, when, how he writes that? He says in verse 633, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What? You're just telling us not to worry, not to worry, not to worry, not to worry. And then how do you finish that time out that we're, we're not to worry? If you don't want to worry, then you must seek first this king of kings, this Lord of lords, this prince of peace. Seek him first and his righteousness. And then you will find yourself not a worry wart. But when you look to anything else, anything else, you will find yourself in a consistent state of worry. And I'll tell you, there are worries that come. This is not a message to say, oh my goodness, if you have ever had a worry, this is the worst thing in the world. No, you will have worries. But take heart. We don't have to live in a state because we live in the kingdom of Christ. So John 14, 27, as we begin to close, says, and you know, I've seen this passage so many times, and it's pretty remarkable that I've never paid much attention to this one word, but he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That is a peace that unless we receive it from Jesus, we can't possess it. So if you have a restless heart, if you have a worryful heart, I don't know if worryful is a word, I might have made that up, but if you have a heart that is just darkened by worry all the time. Ask the Prince of Peace for his peace. Because I'll tell you, if you ask him, it's pretty clear he'll give it to you. That if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things, including peace, will be yours. Doesn't mean that worries won't come, but when worries come, they will come and they will go. The worry will be a reminder to pray, and then you will leave it at the altar. Because there is no better place for our worries than at the feet of Jesus. Because guess what? Your worrying is not going to make anything happen. It's not going to add a day to your life. It's not going to make the bill get paid, and it's not going to make the prognosis come through the way you want it to be. So our worry is God's signal, this is something you need to give to me. God, I don't know what's going to happen. I know you don't. Don't worry. I'm already at Thursday. I know. Give it to me. But God, I don't, I don't know where the money's going to come from. Don't worry. I already am talking to somebody's heart right now. They're going to get you. Don't you worry. I couldn't help. Guys, we didn't do, I didn't do this 
really or didn't coordinate this, but it was just, I feel like it was, it was God. So have you guys been enjoying reading the, the Advent series? Um, man, those of you who did were a part of that, let me tell you, this has been awesome. But I want to read one of them because this stirred my heart. This was back from day 11. And it says this, in spring of 2017, we received the dreaded call, cancer. Our life took a sudden turn. My husband being confronted with his mortality. In a flash, we found ourselves in a new series of doctor's appointments, then surgery. In the midst of this, our son was getting married. This new health issue was a constant source of distraction. Easy to be worried. We were anxious. But we resolved to ask God to speak to us so we could walk through this with his peace. This was before I even gave the sermon, y'all. After surgery, we heard these words from our pastor. It will feel like the valley of the shadow of death, but it won't be. One week post-op, we were given a very favorable prognosis. We were elated that this journey was over. Three months later, our journey is not over. Scott must face radiation. A cloud came over us. God revealed to us that there is never a beginning or an end without the middle. And that's where we were. Jesus showed us that he was the master of our storm. And no matter how fierce the winds blew, we were accompanied by the living God, the Prince of Peace. Eight weeks of radiation were completed. That morning, God spoke, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. It was becoming so amazing to us how God was speaking. A month later, the Lord spoke again. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. John eleven four. Our latest results this fall, and you heard a report yet even this morning. Our latest results this fall were that what we were hoping for. We were now able to thank him for the difficult dark days. Our fear gave, gave way to calm and quiet confidence in his care. Guys, that is a testimony of God's peace. Now, here's the thing that's hard to hear, and it's hard for me to say, but I, I want to say it. Even if the prognosis was not as favorable as it turned out to be, we could still find, our fears could still give way to calm and quiet confidence in his care. So whether it's, if, we're, if we are standing in the kingdom of God in all of its fullness and we're receiving that peace, it does not matter what the, the result or, or, or the, the journey looks like. If we stand and walk step by step with the Savior, we will find confidence and peace and hope in him. The day will come, you all, when all things problematic will pass away. And we patiently await. Okay, maybe not so patiently. We wait, however we wait, <laughs> for that day to come, for the advent of Jesus, his second coming. But I want to leave this final verse with you. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way, the Lord be with all of you.